1: Welcome to Sunday Showcase.
2: The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance.
1: Good morning and welcome everyone to the Sonic Society, the world's largest showcase of modern audio drama I'm Jack Ward and while we're not broadcasting from the Mutual Network building David has kindly rerouted our podcast directly from the tortoise here through the main feed over there RSS feeds, as you know, are incredibly versatile It's episode 792 and this tea is fantastic, David Good morning
3: Uh, Good morning, Jack. Uh, Thank you. It's a little lovely mix of uh, a brew I cobbled together from my mum and a Roman centurion I once knew named Julius. Caesar? Uh, No, thank you. I'm off croutons at the moment. But never you worry, I've set the tortoise for Halifax, Nova Scotia, the 12th of November, year three. Three? Oh, right. We haven't exactly adopted the post-pandemic calendar yet. That won't come for some time. Uh, I meant to say in the year of our Lord, uh, 2023.
1: Wait a minute. November? But that means... We haven't gotten the herd in yet. Herd? Yes, but we have to bring the cowlick herd in from the pasture. It's, it's going to be getting cold soon. You up for a ride? Ride? Western or English? Uh,
3: Greenwich meantime would be
1: preferable. No, 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 I mean what saddle?
3: Uh, what... Well, while we figure this out, we better saddle up today's show. This week, we begin with Benchmark from James O'Neill and Paul Freeman, performed by Anton Lesser and music by Dan Harris. There's no place for old spies. Defection is a dangerous game. Oliver West relives an event he will regret for the rest of his life. Afterwards, we have lighter fantasy Fair with The In Between and episode one, The Goblin Head, where our heroes meet in a tavern. As you do. From Kristen Brand and music from society favourite Eli McElveen. And both shows begin right here on the Sonic Society really good tea
4: I often come back to this bench when I can, like today, and I take it all in, time to think, or to remember, it's all I do these days. It wasn't like this, of course, it was a grey old day, and there was a fog. It was much colder, but a good view of the heath, you'll always get that. You can see HQ from here, the chief on the top floor, keeping an eye on you. That's what they told us in nursery when we were new boys, headmaster's eye on you, always on your shoulder. Of course you're not a new boy forever. In fact, those days pass very quickly. And before you know it, you're just another bloke in the field, usually not knowing if you're coming or going. But yes, in those early days it was like a game. And when you've got spry knees and bounce back instantly, it is a game. It's almost fun. It's when you start to bruise and it takes a little longer to get back on your feet, that you start to realise you're getting older. And then the skids really are under you. No place for old spies. (laughs) One of the lads got that printed and put it up in the office a while back. Meant as a joke, obviously, but one couldn't ignore the subtext. They tend to shuffle us off with a blanket over our shoulders straight into the nursing home, usually in Kent or somewhere. I suppose on some level I'm still that young man, but years have passed and crowded him from me. Common, I think. And I think that was the trigger. You know? The thing that started it for me. More of an Impulse. It wasn't much more than an itch to begin with. A little thought that kept picking at me. I was a professional. I could shut it up and not think about it, but it got louder, and where it picked began to bleed a little. It got to a point where it was more dangerous to ignore it than to listen, but I think the birthday was what started it. I had a big number coming up. And I felt that tightening, I suppose, most men get. I was standing still and the world was jogging on without me. And I was dazed and confused, poor old sod. To be fair, I had been in it longer than most, rapidly becoming a living fossil. That day... It was one of those days like any other. Sitting at my desk that morning, lost it dawning on me how lost I was, watching as that chinless embryo Preston was promoted and thinking, why am I sitting here, scratching my life away? To all intents and purposes, Preston was a total brain dead, but for some reason Chief thought he had the stuff, so gave him the big leg up. I suddenly felt a million years old. my feet in concrete blocks, my bones calcifying, I was turning into a statue, the unknown spy. Hundreds of successful operations, no burnouts or dropped stitches, even a medal somewhere, and then a deafening silence. And yet there was Preston, milk on his chin, fresh nappy, shooting to the top. Perhaps he had hidden depths. But to look at him, you knew he was shallow end and water wings and a dad who went to the same school as the big chief. I'd had enough. Going out, I said. And no one noticed grabbed my coat and set out for the heath I thought I could do with some air or better yet I thought I could make a go of it I thought I could make one last gesture the thought had been rolling around in my head for a while like I said it was getting harder to ignore and I think that morning I realised there really wasn't any alternative I had to do something It had reached that point. I couldn't face another day of that desk, of those people, of that life. I couldn't go on. I had to... I had to get out. So. Cut my losses, I thought. Make a break. So I come to the heath. There's prospects around here, a few rent a place by the tube station and even just one of them would welcome someone like me. We have a list of them, potential buyers. Welcoming arms to catch those who jump, with my experience I'd be irresistible. All I had to do was sit on the heath and wait for one to come along. By tea time I could be in my new home. Cushy new office, proper recognition, maybe even a room on the top floor. It could all happen just like that. It was cold. My breath was trailing over my shoulder like a steam engine's wake. And the sky was clouding, sort of white light in the air spring morning and a touch of frost on the heath, and the dog walkers are out. They come out that time of morning, so do our lot, early or late, when no one's paying attention. I was trying to get back into a good sleeping pattern, so early it is. By this point in my career, I had perfected the walk. The walk that says, I'm not going anywhere. A deliberate aimlessness. I drift for a while, do a circuit of the heath, past the dog walkers. We nod to each other, smile, raise a hand. Bit cavalier of me. I didn't used to be so open. Didn't used to wave. But she waved first. It felt rude not to. A little wave and a little smile. I'd seen her before, but I couldn't place where. Perhaps something to come back to. It was my birthday, after all. But then I got back to business. There's the bench, a few yards from the oak tree, a good clear view. Not so much the horizon, but the contents of the park, moving around like microbes. But anyway, I find my bench and root for a while. I take a sip, too. Quiet, lost for a moment. Happy birthday to me. I try to forget the number. They teach you how to repress things like that. I try to forget the specifics, but it is a big birthday I can't escape that but who cares I think I'm comfortable it's a tranquil morning and I have a good drink I might even have pulled I've always liked dogs in all one of my better birthdays and there may still be cake could be one of my best ...since the divorce. I watch the few clouds smudge along... ...stretch out in the sky and fade away. Before I start to get maudlin... ...I look down and there he is. As if by magic. There's the prize. There's the ticket out. I take a swig and focus... ...just to be sure. There he is. Just like the photo on file... So I put the cap back on. I drop it, my hands trembling. I hadn't realised how much I'd put away. I tear a hole in my coat pocket when I thrust the bottle back into it and make my way down the hill to follow him. I'm unsteady on my feet. The drink has put me off my game. I wobble, but find my centre. I have to catch up. I have to make contact. I try to keep my head from swirling even more. I rub my eyes... They sting a little, and then I get a shade of clarity. I reach the end of the slope, and he's still ahead of me. He's got a briefcase with him. He's walking with a limp. He's got old. Perhaps it's his birthday, too. I lumber along, trying not to make eye contact with the dog walkers. It occurs to me I really shouldn't have waved. A wave only commits you to memory. But she was a blonde, and it was my birthday. He's not far ahead of me, several trees between us. Past where the old tin pavilion used to be, where the old masters used to meet. Moscow rules, long gone now. And I'm not far behind them, I think. But I'm not done yet. He's slowing down. There's a bench, he's bearing right, he's making a line for it. Has he seen me? Even old hoods like him don't have eyes in the back of their head. They're only human. Most of them. He sits. I slow down. This is it. Make or break. Do I stick the landing? Do I abort? He's reading. Got some rag out of his case. He hasn't seen me. I slow to stop. I stand for a moment. I watch him. Has he seen me? Has anyone seen me? I used to have a sense for it. I clasp my hand by my side. I breathe deep. He hasn't seen me. So why am I such a wreck? Why are my hands trembling? Why is my heart racing? Why have I drunk so much? Why does my birthday matter? What does it matter how old I am? Pow! He's looking at me. Russian hoods don't have eyes in the back of their heads, but they have the sense for when someone's looking at them. His blue eyes pierce me like talons of ice. He's seen me. He knows me. Nothing personal. But a spook knows a spook. Probably our choice of coats with a bloody big bottle, usually toting. He looks at me, his paper still held in front of him. He blinks, but holds me in my place. My hands stop trembling, but my heart still going like anything. A stare like I've interrupted his dinner. A stare that asks, You sure you want to do this? I question myself for a moment. Am I? Am I? I could walk on past and forget the whole deal. Double back and go back to base. Hang up my coat, get back to work. Probably haven't even noticed I've been gone. No questions, no consequences. Back to normal. Deafening silence again. What do I do now? What do I want? What do you do? It's not too late. And then he seemed to make up my mind for me. He looked back to his paper and resumed his charade. Without looking, he reaches for his briefcase beside him and dumps it on the ground next to the bench, opening up the space beside him for me. I breathe. I pull myself together, that's that then. I step forward, hold my stride, I don't wobble, the drink is pulling me through it at last, binding me up, keeping the gears going, the universal solvent, and with each stride toward the bench I find my confidence returning, I remember the moves, my old self stepping back into the light. The searchlight that had been sweeping for me all morning has found me at last. Adrift, but thrown a lifeline. Don't mess this up. Don't crease it now. Don't look round. Don't be an amateur. He turns a page. Another moment. I'm there. I sit. He doesn't move. God, he's a pro. But his file says he is. Page to page says as dry as a bone. Could freeze fire, this bear. Does he know me? I begin to wonder. Does he know I am? He turns a page. Reads fast. It's one of those free papers, today's. Perhaps he's actually reading it. I don't know how long I've been sat with him, so I feel it's time to get the ball rolling. I scratch my nose and get into the zone. Curtain up. I pull a cigarette from my shirt pocket and try my lighter. It doesn't work. I keep it empty for routines like this. I try the flint a few more times, but no joy. I feel my senses sharpening. This is old, trait-craft, classic. It's like a show, like a play. Then a dazzling flourish and my cigarette is lit my neighbour is holding out a lighter with an engraving on the side in Russian I don't know what it says I'll have to brush up on that the flame quickly extinguished and my lungs filling with smoke I hear the crinkle of newspaper the arm that extended the lighter has been withdrawn back to holding his reading material he's really cool too cool was he expecting me He must have been. I wonder if it's possible they know which of our lot are likely to jump and join them. They must have a list too. I wonder if I'm on it. A picture on file. I drag on the cigarette and relax. I try to look cool. A good view from the bench. Might use it again, I think. The dog walkers are gone. There's a little drizzle in the air and the dips of the heath are fogging up. This is perfect. I feel my mouth curl a little. I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't smile. It'll give the game away. To who? God knows. To any of our lot who might be watching, it occurs to me. It's time. No going back. I feel the weight in my pocket... It's not the bottle this time, although I am tempted. I rummage in my coat for a moment, my hand trembling, my thumb catching on the lip of the pocket. I feel the papers I'd thrust into it in haste. I fidget with them. I wonder. I pause. Is it right? Of all the times to think of it, it's never right. But it's been done before. What's one more traitor? Don't think of your friends. Don't think of the guys in the field. Don't think of the betrayal. To betray, you must first belong. And your friends got out years ago. You can't betray strangers. It's an outdated concept. This is free market intelligence, and I want a good pension. They're just papers. My ticket to ride. And they probably would have got their hands on them in a few weeks anyway. I'm just... I'm just saving them the bother. "'if it puts Preston's nose out of joint, then, well... "'Any last doubts I had evaporated. "'If anything, my situation suddenly became clearer than it had ever been. "'My decision became absolute, "'because in a flash I saw young Preston in my mind. "'His smugness, his ease, "'and the way he climbed over me to the captain's table. "'There was no other option.' This chance for something new to make a difference or return to the silence and the ignominious life I had before. I would jump. Or oh, to sound my age. Defect. He makes a move. I snap out of my thought. I hadn't realized how long I'd been sat silently. Could have been a lifetime. He folds away his paper, tucks it into his briefcase, now on his lap, and is ready to make his way. He stands. I flinch. I grab his arm. W- w- wait, I say. I have stock. Oh, no one says stock now. I belong in a museum. He looks at me, wrestles with my arm. Something's wrong. He shakes me from him. He looks at me with strangers' eyes. He looks at me with the face of a new man something is seriously wrong I stand up too I stand in front of him a crumpled broken old man and the illusion crumbles I I, I don't know you I say because I don't this young man It's new to me. And where's the briefcase? Just a carrier bag. He backs away. He's scared. He's different. Nothing like the picture in his file. Nothing like him at all. Because it isn't him. And I've been blind. Or drunk. I twig. Jesus, um... (sighs) I'm... "'I'm sorry, sorry. Um, "'Listen,' I say, but he's off, "'getting away from the charity case on the park bench. "'Suddenly my knees give way. "'I really had drunk too much. "'I fall back onto the bench "'as the crushing weight of memory presses on me. "'As I slump into the curve of the bench, "'I hear the crack and crunch of glass, "'chunks of broken bottle tear from my coat pocket.' But no drink, the bottle is empty, dry, and the cigarette in my trembling hand is not lit. It was never lit, and the papers in my coat pocket are just receipts, just bills, rent, the last letter from my wife, and the notice of dismissal that made me redundant. And then I see, then I remember the day I the day I saw a route to a better life to pull me out of the old one stagnating around me how I thought that anyone any service anywhere would be falling over to have me how I couldn't see it how hopeless I was the vanity of it and me At the centre of it all, being found blind drunk on this very bench, passed out, confused, lost, old, and packed to the teeth with confidential papers. With clear intent to defect, as Big Chief put it, consorting with enemy agents known russian hood seen fleeing the scene as an over-the-hill operative is found drunk and in possession young preston thought a spell in prison would do me after all it was he who found me he had his suspicions or in the very least noticed how much drink i'd been putting away that morning and so decided to trail me saw me making a fool of myself with the hood in question and once they got the wind up and flew, I was hauled back to base and an emergency crisis meeting called. Just me, the chief, and we pressed him by his elbow. He wanted the whole shooting match, but the big chief thought better. No, he said. No, we don't put our own behind bars. We let them rot outside. It happens in older agents, Preston said. How he'd know, I am a clue. They get ambitions in their dotage, their imaginations burn their brains out and then here we are. I'm given the push, left destitute as the sad case on a park bench who no one believes but with the nagging feeling there is always a hairy eyeball keeping me on a long lead. Out in the real world, where we fear the most, hidden in plain sight, like any spy worth his salt. Stripped of it all, no desk, no job, no money, no wife. Just confused memories. And so here I am. On the bench where it all went down. Do you know, it's almost hard to say how many years later Feels like one year thinking I could jump ship. The next, I'm out on my ear, lost, stumbling through the ashes of the past, memories flooding me, making me see Russian hoods in an easy road out, just round in circles. Maybe I am old. Maybe I should be on this bench. Busted old spy. Same bench, same view. But everything else is different. Because I thought I could be clever. Because I thought I still had it. I've remembered what day it is. It's my birthday.
5: Benchmark was performed by Anton Lesser and written by James O'Neill. The sound editor was Paul Freeman with music by Dan Harris.
0: Welcome to the Goblin's Head, young man. How may I help you?
5: Uh, I heard this was the place to go for a job?
0: Bounties are hung up on that wall.
5: Ah, uh, thank you.
0: Are you a wizard, lad?
5: Yes, ma'am. A wizard and an adventurer.
0: (laughs) Well, a wizard I'll grant you. Uh, Good luck.
5: Uh, thanks. Now, let's see. Valley hunting? Ugh, no. Goblins? No, uh, wagon guard. Multiple positions? 70 gold? Perfect.
6: Move, Shrimpy. Uh, hey! Oh, come on, Betty. You can do better than Shrimpy. Have a little respect for the craft.
5: Excuse me? Shh,
6: trying to read. Now here, how's this for a zinger? <laughs> nice hat, Magic Man. You get a bowl of soup with that? What? Tough crowd, I see.
5: Is
6: this thing on? Fina, what's 70 divided by 2? You know I don't math.
5: It's 35. Can you, like, move?
6: No can do, kid. We'll be taking this job.
5: Madam, if you would move aside. God,
6: did you just call Betty Madam?
5: Betty, is it? Please, uh, Miss Betty, if you would. Oh, you know he's dead. Mm, nah. Madam, I must insist that you move. Or what?
6: Hey, Top Gun, you don't want to push your luck with Betty. She'll kill you.
5: What's a gun? I warn you, I am a paladin of St. Cuthbert, and I am sworn to justice. I don't care who bought your armor. I'll still crunch you. Uh, Y'all can still have this job. I'll just... Uh. That's it! I will not stand for this disrespect.
2: Well, hey. Oh, you want to dance? Please, my children, please, be at peace. Does not the light of paleor shine on us all? Miss, please put away your axe and, sir, your sword. There's no reason to fight.
5: Sir or madam?
2: Oh, neither. Call me Friar, my son.
6: Listen, Friar, get lost. It ain't a bloodier vegetable. A vestibule? Right. Please, my
2: orcish sister. There's no need for a fight. You there, mage,
6: you are a person of learning, are you not?
5: Uh, who, me? Nah, I'm not a...
6: This ain't no debate, Friar. Get lost or you'll get caught in the crossfire. Excuse me?
0: Oh, I'm so sorry to interrupt. May I get by? I need to hang this on the wall.
5: Certainly, madam. How rude of us. Thank you. Does that say lost, princess?
0: Does that say a thousand gold? Uh, yes. Yes. I'm afraid my lady was kidnapped by a beast most foul. Her father, the king, has spent many lives in an effort to rescue her. Well, you're in luck,
6: little lady. My friend and I will be pleased to help you. Uh, Oh, your friends? Oh, this is just perfect. No, Nope, hang on. Friend, singular, just one. And
5: it's a good thing there are so many of you.
2: Miss, I think there's been some misunderstanding.
5: Madam, I would be honored to take on this quest. As a paladin in the order of St. Cuthbert, disgraced. That's what the red mark on your shield means, right? How dare you, you scrawny little-
6: you've got a lot of nerve masquerading as a full paladin, buddy.
5: I will not stand for this disrespect from a hedge wizard and a, a halfling jester. Hey.
6: Nah, that's fair. Fina, we taking this bounty or what? I would be
2: more than happy to join a quest for this poor missing princess. Well, you're not invited. Yeah, Betty,
6: we're taking
0: it. Oh dear, I really think a person of the cloth would be a good idea.
6: Don't you worry your pretty head, miss. Betty and I are more than equipped to handle whatever you've got for us.
0: Do you believe you can fight a dragon then? Just the two of you?
5: Uh, did, did, did she just say dragon? Did she say dragon?
6: What a worthy quest to challenge a dragon. Hey, uh, Topgum. Truce? Maybe we can talk about this.
5: Yes. Perhaps this is not a quest to be taken on alone after all. Uh, this doesn't seem like a job for me. I'm just gonna leave? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna leave.
0: Not
4: yet, you don't.
5: <laughs> hey, hey, put me down!
0: Oh dear, um, my lord the king thought this might be a problem. Is the reward too small? Too small? Well, yes. One thousand divided by five gives you two hundred apiece.
6: Hmm,
0: two hundred. Two hundred, hundred. Two of
6: them? Hmm.
0: My lord the king is prepared, for the right party, to raise the total reward to say, fifteen hundred? By paylor. We could just about do that, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Please allow me to fetch my escort. He'll inform you of the details. I'll be right back.
2: Well, it looks as though introductions are in order. I am Friar Valoon, a humble worshipper of the glorious god Palor.
5: Are you a healer, Friar?
2: I am, among other things. Are you?
5: No. I'm afraid I have no talent for magic. Can you put me down, please? I'm not going anywhere. You sure? Not if a kid's in danger. And I need the cash.
6: Right. You better be a good wizard. We don't have time to find someone else.
5: I'm a, a fair wizard, you know.
2: What's your name, young mage?
5: Meltier, member of the Circle of the Greenish Fire. Greenish? More sort of aquamarine?
6: Well, I'm Fina Butterbuns of the Hiltshire Butterbuns, halfling bard extraordinaire. And this is my friend and associate, Betty. Sup? And you, pal who don't, what's your moniker?
5: Sterling White Tower. Not. Lord Stirling Tower. Oh,
6: this is delicious! Not just a disgraced paladin, but the subject of a royal scandal as well. How is Her Grace the Duchess?
5: I was falsely accused. Justice will be served upon those who have wronged me. Mark my words.
6: Hey, we're not here to shame you, pretty boy.
5: If we are to work together on this endeavor, I will thank you not to bring this up again.
2: I, for one, am willing to oblige. Boundaries are important for a
6: successful quest, don't you agree, Miss Butterbun? Fina, please, and I can't make any promises.
5: Do you think we'll live? Like, like, do you think we'll survive?
2: If we do, we'll be rich. If we don't, it is all to the glory of the gods.
5: I don't want to die, though. I've got people depending on me. Come now, wizard. Man up.
6: Man up? Really?
3: Uh, right. Uh.
0: Glory awaits. Let's go. Next time on In Between.
6: Here's the cave, but where's the- Dragon!
2: <laughs> Let's know Princess Sterling.
6: Guys, she's dead. She's what now?
0: Episode 1, The Goblin's Head, was written and directed by Hannah Wright with assistant director William Wright. The show is produced and edited by Catherine Ayers, The voice of Maltier is Austin Mowat. The voice of Betty is Kaylee Christopher. The voice of Fina is Riley Jones. The voice of Sterling is Marquise Dijon Archuleta. And the voice of Balloon is Kira Mills, with additional voices by Hannah Wright and Kaylee Christopher. Fina's guitar is played by Eli Isbell, and our theme song is by Eli McElveen. Want to know more about the Inn? Visit us at The Goblin's Head or find us on Twitter. And don't forget to rate and subscribe so you don't miss what happens next. And hey, thanks for listening.
3: Uh, remind me again why we took a detour to your farm now in an undisclosed location
1: we're gonna have to get the horses and their tack and load them back on the tortoise before we get back to the mutual building You know, I- I'll get thunder and paint ready thunder and paint
3: I oh, hope that's a new art piece while Jack gets ready, please check out the show notes on the Sonic Society website at sonicsociety.org or connect to us through Twitter slash X at, at Sonic Society or at David Alt. For Jack Ward and me, I'm David Alt and we'll see you next week.
1: The Mutual Audio Network would like to extend our thanks to those who have paid the ultimate price and to those who have served and returned to their loved ones. Thank you for your service.